evening, everybody. We were involved in deep Bible study right down here on the third row about dietary restrictions and when they change. You know, those are things you should know. Good things to know. It's great to see all of you here tonight. Those of you joining us here on campus, wonderful to see you. And for those of you that are tuning in via live stream and Facebook Live, of course, we'd like to say welcome to you as well. We're always honored that you would choose to join us. I want to give you a few announcements um, and uh, just a, a couple of thoughts about community before pastor comes this evening. Uh, we do want to remind you of some things. First of all, Sunday, uh, the 21st, that's this coming Sunday, there will be a, a baked goods sale for Move the Mission. And that, again, will be held in the lobby. And if you would like to donate something, some baked goods to that um, endeavor, please let Sister Tanya Coley know. Also, on uh, this coming Sunday, there will be a school prayer walk from 6 to 8 in the evening. And if you are interested in participating in that, we would ask you, you would connect with Brother Dave Bunch, and he can give you more information. And then finally, Sunday, August 28th, uh, will be our offering deadline for Move the Mission. So if you have something that you are planning to give to Move the Mission, please make sure that you get that in and get it designated before the 28th. And as always, you can be updated with everything that's going on here at Grace Church just by downloading that app or clipping, clicking on the events tab on our webpage. You know, the saying, show me your friends and I'll show you your future, has been attributed to uh, Dan Pena and also Craig Grishel. I don't know which of those two men said it originally. It may have been someone else entirely. But the sentiment has been expressed in some way, shape, or form for years. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Motivational speaker Jim Rohn said, you become the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Or you may have heard it that you become the average of your five closest friends. But sometimes we don't spend as much time with our closest friends as we do others. So it's something to think about. Organizational psychologist David Burkus released a study in 2018 in which he said, your friends really are your future. And the implication is that you don't just need to be more deliberate about who you're spending the most time with. You need to be examining your entire network and its influence on your life. He said, you need to know where you sit inside the larger network of your social community. You're not the average, the study goes on, and, and Dan Burkus writes, you're not the average of the five people you surround yourself with. He said, it's way bigger than that. You're the average of all of the people who surround you. So take a look around and make sure you're in the right surroundings. And of course, we know scripture echoes these same sentiments. It's not echoing those sentiments. These sentiments are echoes of scripture. Because in Proverbs, it says, if you walk with the wise, you will become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. And of course, Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. So, considering the impact that those close to us have on who we become and what we will accomplish, isn't it great that we have a community like Grace Church? Your community matters. Your relationships matter. So I would challenge you tonight, first of all, thank God for what you have, but also take advantage of the community that he's given you. 
Y'all think about it. God bless you this evening. It's great to see all of you here tonight, and thank you so much for coming, and um, thank you, those of you joining us on live stream and Facebook Live, thank you as well, and we welcome you uh, to Grace Church tonight. It's good to see everybody, and uh, wonderful, wonderful gathering here tonight, considering we have Kids Church going on upstairs and youth service going on in the Yay Center. Um, if they were all in here, it looked almost like a Sunday morning, and I'm very, very thankful, very, very thankful for that. And I uh, <clears throat> want to remind you of uh, a couple of things. Um, if our parents would help us after the service tonight, when your children come down from uh, kids' church, if you can keep them, help us keep them away from this area, we literally do not want any of our kids to fall through the cracks, and uh, literally speaking. Some of you may not have come up here and can see what I'm talking about, but there's only a portion of this that's covered. The rest of it over there is... Um, your kids could go up, fall down in there and go back in there and you'll never see them again. Maybe some will ask your kids to come up here and play, right? So <laughs> there's two sides to that. Uh, I'm kidding, of course. But please help us with that, and we'd appreciate it so very much. And I'm going to make probably the most random announcement tonight that I've ever made, and that is that we have finally determined that the front doors on the A Center work correctly. The problem has been we just didn't know how to use them. That sounds that sounds strange and weird, and y'all are all looking at me like I'm not very smart. But there's the new door mechanisms that they're that building codes and whatnot is requiring builders to use is nothing like the ones we have on the, the front doors of the lobby going in and out. Uh, they have built in. Uh, a bunch of required safety systems that we've just learned. Uh, the panic bars we have on the front doors in the lobby, you just push the door and walk outside. Um, it's the bar you can push down. They've done away with that. Uh, I've learned that kids have gotten their head caught in that and uh, things did not go well. So I guess it happened enough that uh, they've changed the doors. So everybody listen carefully. You cannot unlock the A-Center door and keep it unlocked from the outside. You can unlock it, put your key in it, turn it to the left, open the door, and when you take your key out, it's locked again. When the door closes behind you, it's locked again. We cannot unlock it all the time from the outside. It's a safety feature. It can't be adjusted. We've tried. Um, so when you go in the A-Center, the reason for that, if someone is chasing you, you can unlock the door, pull your key out, run in, and the door locks behind you. It's a security thing. To unlock it where people can come in and out from the inside or outside, you have to unlock it from the inside. And um, there will be instructions on the door on how to use all of that for those of you that use the A-Center. And um, our, biggest, our biggest urging in this announcement is Somebody just needs to remember to lock the door from the inside when you leave. 
if you unlock it, unlock the panic bar where it stays unlocked all the time. If you need further instructions about that, uh, Chris Watley can help with it. Mike Landry can help with it. I can help you with it. And uh, we'll spread the word around enough folks that if you have trouble with it, uh, we'll show you how it works. But we have been informed. We need to take care of the doors out here. Really big time, we need to take care of them, make them doors last as long as we can. Because if we replace them, that's what we're getting. And it's just gonna be a real hassle. And we like going in and out of church, being very user friendly, especially coming in. If it's a little more difficult getting out, we're okay with that. That was a joke uh, for those of you that didn't get it. But we certainly want it to be very easy to get inside. So if you'll remember that, we'd appreciate it so very much. I am so excited. Um, I'm going to show you some pictures in just a few moments, not right now, but in a few moments. Our connect groups have launched this week. I understand there was at least two last night. And I'm so excited about that. I, I'm just beside myself. And uh, along with that, uh, I thought Jason Cooper was going to absolutely teach my Bible study tonight. Uh, it's almost like we planned it, and I asked him to do an introduction for me. So that being said, let's jump into the Word of God tonight. It's a very simple Bible study, but a very needful Bible study. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18... God set an incredible precedent for the human race. Uh, at, when he made this statement, there was only one person on the planet when he made this statement. The Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. Now we automatically say, well, he created Eve and they got married and so God created for him a wife. But I believe the scripture has far more implication than that in it. It's not good that man be alone. I want to talk to you tonight, and thank you, Brother Jason, for the introduction. I want to talk to you tonight for a little while about the need for friends. <clears throat> I want everybody to understand, and I'd like to make it very, very clear that this presentation is not talking about social media friends. I'm not talking about social media friends. It's not even remotely a part of this. Somebody said one time, I have 587 friends on Facebook. I'm proud of you. But if you needed something, how many of them is going to come and help you? Um, we all get that point. Brother Jason asked the question, and I will ask you the same question. We all believe that we have friends. We all believe we have friends here tonight have good friends here tonight but how much do you fellowship with your friends on a weekly basis we've been talking about in in these bible studies in the past uh, couple of weeks the past several weeks we've been talking about our relationship with ourselves and also with others and i believe tonight that all relationships begin with love and respect for others I don't believe a friendship is defined by how much money you can get out of somebody, how much help you can get out of somebody, and you're just continually taking advantage of somebody's very kind heart. But I would like to have us consider tonight our need for friendship. 
since COVID, there's been lots and lots of studies. A lot of you have heard about them. A lot of you have heard a lot of these referenced. I'm not going to go through all that tonight, but it has created a culture and an environment in our country where people were forced to isolate themselves, to lock themselves up inside their house and so on. And people are struggling to get back out into the relationship arena to reestablish friendship, to reestablish relationships with people. I want everybody to understand tonight here at Grace Church, from the very beginning, we were created for the purpose of relationship. God did not create man to be alone. He did not. And there are a lot of people that can do a lot of things alone. But when, but most people, when most people try to do something alone with most people, there's something on the inside of them that says, this doesn't feel right. I will be honest with you, this past quiz, quizzing season, um, I was, there was a part of me, and I'm going to be very honest, there was a part of me that was kind of looking forward to it ending. The reason for that is because Noah and Joseph were in two different uh, levels of quizzing. That was two tournaments a month. Plus, every Thursday night, virtually every Thursday night, beginning, I believe, in January or February of this year, Casey and Sister Murphy drove to Alexandria so the boys could practice, do practice tournament quizzing. I did not go on any of those trips and only went to one or two of the tournaments. Uh, wanted to just stay home and tend to things here and that kind of thing. But I learned really quick what being alone is all about. I can enjoy it once in a while here and there, but a steady diet of being alone, after a while, it, it, it starts working on you. It does. And uh, uh, the other night, I was uh, outside tending to something, and I didn't tell Sister Murphy I was, she was busy. I just stepped outside a few minutes, and a few minutes later, I turned around. She was standing there, and I said, what do you, you, you kind of startled me. What's up? She said, well, I went to tell you something in your office. You weren't there, so I assumed you were outside, so I came out here. She stayed with me until I came back in. Can't express how wonderful that was. Just to have somebody to talk to. I know tonight there's, there's folks here that has lost their spouse or is not married to their spouse anymore, etc. We pray for you often. And hopefully there's other friendships and relationships that can minister to you and what have you. But there's a lot of people that can do things alone, but most of us, after a while, needs a friend. And everybody said amen. It's not fun to go out and eat alone. I used to joke with Sister Murphy. She said, I really like such and such a restaurant, and I didn't like it. And uh, she would say, I would like for you to go with me. And I said, well, and I do on occasions, the kind and amazing husband that I am. Uh, I go with her periodically. She will tell you that is true. And she goes with me sometimes to the restaurants that she don't like. So we, we balance that out. But um, I've told her, why don't you go by yourself? The food tastes the same whether you're with somebody or not. That's my philosophy. You like a good restaurant? Nobody go with you? Go by yourself. They're not going to change the recipe just because nobody's sitting at your table with you. It'll taste the same. She said, well, I just need somebody with me. I understand that. 
But one thing about it is when they bring you food and you eat part of it, you just want to tell somebody how good the food is. There ain't nobody there to tell it. Brother Donnie mentioned playing golf a few moments ago before service. I think he's probably learned that it's really not that much fun to play golf alone. <laughs> when you play golf alone, you're going to make that impossible shot. And there ain't going to be one person there who will witness it. Let me tell you a joke while we're at this point. Heard it years ago and I've never forgotten it. A pastor woke up one Sunday morning and the weather was just exceptionally perfect to go play golf. So he told his wife, I'm not going to church today. I'm going to go play golf. And she said, but you're the pastor. He said, I'm going to call the, the trustees and tell them I'm sick and they'll have to find someone else to, to take my place. So he did. And went out to the golf course, set up on the, teed up on the first hole, and hit the ball. And it flew way off the fairway, got into a tree, and that tree started rustling around, and a limb caught it and threw it all the way across to the other side of the, the, the fairway. And it got hung in a bush, and a bush rattled it around and threw it way up the fairway. And it rolled and rolled and rolled, and it was finally a hole in one. After all that is a hole in one. An angel in heaven asked Jesus, why in the world did you allow that to happen? He lied. He's missing church, everything. Jesus said it's simple. You'll never be able to tell it. <laughs> so there you go. That's Lanyap tonight. So it's not even fun to go to an event or to a conference alone and why would anybody go on vacation alone? And I'm sure there are some that do. Maybe you have no choice, but it would sure be more enjoyable if somebody was with you. We were created as social beings, maybe some more so than others. I've commented on this years ago. I have met men that to me were so awkwardly antisocial, unsocial. They just didn't talk to anybody. I asked one, one of a man one time, I said, uh, you're married, right? Yeah. That's your wife right over there, right? Yeah. How did you ever ask her to marry you? Because you sure don't say nothing to nobody else. It must took a lot of courage for this fella to say, honey, I love you much, and would you spend the rest of your life with me? And she said, yes. We need to have friends. <clears throat> God created us with this unbelievable ability to affect one another. God created us with this unbelievable ability to affect one another. We depend upon one another for survival, sustenance, and well-being. We need to have friends. We need the interaction of friendship. And God said it is a good thing to have friends, and it is not good to be alone. As, as Brother Jason commented, even science teaches that we can understand our world only in the terms of relatedness or relationships. You can all remember going to the science lab where you studied how different types of atoms reacted to one another. This is, this is all about relationships. In science, I understand, a lone atom is meaningless. But a related atom is the building block of nature. In the same sense, a lone human does not affect anybody or anything and cannot be affected by others. But a related human 
or a person who has many relationships is the building block of humanity. I would like to say it this way. The person who has a lot of friends and a lot of relationships is a building block of God's church. Yes, it is. When people get into the church, the first thing they want to do is win their family and their friends. God has two purposes in creating man. Man was to affect and man was to be affected. We affect God and God affects us. We affect others and others affect us. That is all there is. And you can't affect others by being alone and vice versa. Our need for friendship is as deep as our need for food. We can only survive so long without food. And ultimately, we can only survive so long without friends. One writer said it this way. Either friendship or death. We need our friends and our friends need us. If y'all could put the, those couple of pictures on the screen, I'd, I'd like for you to, to try to, to witness with me the, the attitude of this picture. Uh, don't know how well you could see it, but I can't see one person sitting at that table. Uh, this was at Shanna Bryant's last night uh, that doesn't have a smile on their face. Uh, there's a couple other pictures. I'm not going to show you all that, but every one of these people, I know you say they smile for the picture, but if you could read the text that accompanied that when Shanna sent it to me, they had a great time last night of interacting, enjoying each other's fellowship, enjoying each other's friendship. If you can put the next picture up there, it's at uh, Sheila Goins' house, and you'll see the same thing. And this picture is a person that I know very well that is in desperate need of friendship. And I am so thankful that this Connect group met last night if it was only for that one person. Everyone else there may have said, yeah, it was fun, it was fun, we enjoyed it and what have you. But there was other people there that needed that desperately. And it, it, it illustrates the point, it accentuates my point, that we need our friends and our friends need us. And our criteria for friendship cannot be only when we need them. We have to be there when they need us. And everybody said amen. amen. Thank you very much. If you log on to the internet and Google need friends, in about two-tenths of a second, there will be about 353 billion search results, 353 million. If you Google want friends, in less than two-tenths of a second, there will be about 330 million search results. You think people are not interested and desirous of having friends and having relationships with other people. People are lonely today, Grace Church. People are lonely. There's people here tonight that struggle with loneliness. They need friends. And this is what's thrusting and motivating our connect groups. People are looking for true friends. This world needs real friends. Even in the church, we need friends. Sometimes, even in the shelter of the church, it can be very lonely for some. I've heard more than one person say, even when I'm at church, I'm lonely. I'm going to come to that in a moment. But sometimes it's nice just to see a person sitting by themselves and get up and walk across the building. I've seen it happen here at Grace Church. Somebody say, hey, I would like to sit with you tonight if that's okay. Just to have somebody close by to share some element of spiritual friendship with them during a service. Did you know that we apostolics are one of the greatest groups at showing themselves friendly and entertaining people? We are. I've heard it consistently, especially since we've been in this building and even prior when we were in Baker. 
that people would come and visit and say, this is the friendliest church I've ever been to. I've heard on the contrary. I've been to other churches and not one person spoke to me. We had a missionary, and I've told you the story many times, but the wife said after church, I had 13 people talk to me tonight. I said, I don't understand. You counted how many people spoke to you before the service started? She said, yeah, because most churches we attend, nobody speaks to me. This is important in the church, and it's why we're teaching this, and I've tried to time this for the week we launch our connect groups. You need to show up if you committed to one. Show up. You may not feel like you need to be there, but you don't know who's going to be there that would need you, for, need you to be there. We need to consider that. But we're, we're great at showing ourselves friendly and entertaining people, but when it comes to one-on-one, -on -one, true friendships, even apostolic people are falling far too short. We, seek one, we see one another at church for an hour or two a week, but for the most part, it doesn't go much beyond that. And that's why I ask you the question in the opening. We have good friends, and we say we're good friends, but how much do you see each other during the week? How much do you talk to each other outside of generic texting? I'm talking about seeing each other. We see one another at church, but there, there could be more fellowship, and we're trying to facilitate that. That should never be in a church. It should not be in any church, and it certainly shouldn't be in this one. We need to have close friends in the church. We need to have close friends in the church. Jesus was somebody who not only showed himself friendly, but he had a number of very close friends. Yes, he did. There's at least six that you can count quickly. I'm going to talk to you for a few minutes about that. In John chapter 11, verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. We know from the scripture when Jesus came to the city of Jerusalem, he would often stay at the home of this family. They lived in Bethany, which is, was only a couple of miles from Jerusalem. When Jesus wanted to escape the crowds, he would seek out of town. He would sneak out of town and go to Lazarus, Mary, and Martha's house in Bethany. This was, his great, this was one of his greatest retreat places to go where he could relax, where he could renew himself from the pressures of ministry and life. This family grew very close to Jesus. It was Lazarus, their brother, as you know, that Jesus raised from the dead. On one occasion, Jesus stopped by and Mary chose to sit at Jesus' feet while Martha tended the things of the house. Martha was upset at Mary because she was not helping. And you know what the scripture says in Luke chapter 10. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary has chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Jesus rebuked Martha because she was interfering with what the Bible called a needful thing. Jesus called it a good part. What was he referring to? Jesus was referring to their close friendship. Mary needed his friendship, and he needed hers. We need friends. Jesus had three other very close friends, Peter, James, and John. They were Jesus' disciples, but they were also his friends. I want to stop here in passing. Years ago, uh, there was a church here in Louisiana. We were just embarking into ministry, and... Uh, uh, they needed a pastor, and so I called Brother Young, who was my pastor, and uh, 
I said, what do you think about that? Can you give me some advice and what have you? And he said, told me what I needed to do and what not. But he said, I want to tell you this. He said, there's a man in that church. This has been many, many years ago, obviously. But he said, there's a man in that church who plays the piano. And he is what you would call a pastor's friend. He said, I've known the man for a number of years. Brother and Sister Young were kind of from that area uh, in their youth. And uh, they knew the man very well and said, you could consider him a pastor's friend. I'm happy to say here at Grace Church tonight, there's, there's people that attend Grace Church that to me, you're not just a member, but you're a very special friend. And you bring into my life things that nobody else can. And um, I've struggled periodically with people that said, I thought I was your best friend, they said. I said, I have a lot of best friends. And there's things that you can bring into my life that nobody else can. But then there's other people that can bring things into my life that you can't. It's okay. But there's, there's people here at Grace Church that I consider my friend. Please don't run up here after church tonight and ask me am I one of them. Don't do that. You know what I'll say. Of course you are. I'll stop it right there. We'll, we'll continue moving on. <clears throat> but everybody needs friendship. Everybody needs relationship. It was these three men that even though they were disciples and very close disciples, the inner circle, the Bible referred to them as one time. It was these three men that Jesus pulled close to himself when the going got really tough. It was these three that went to the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. On the mountain, they saw the cloud that overshadowed Jesus. They saw his face shining bright as the sun. They saw him talking with Moses and Elijah, or at least a form of them. This was a special time for Jesus because he chose to share one of the greatest moments of his ministry with his three friends. I don't know what was wrong with the other nine that they weren't invited I'm not going to get into that. I'm not going to try to solve that riddle, and maybe there's people here tonight that either knows or at least thinks you know. The Bible doesn't say. But there was something that was going to happen in his life that was so special. He wanted to share it with his friends. I've had those moments, and so have you. I heard Brother Merle Ewing preach a sermon years ago. Uh, he called it Saturday's, Saturday's Heroes. He said he was playing football, and he was a, a smaller, younger guy than most of the people that were out there. And um, there was a, a man, an older teenager on the other team that played football for the local high school in Lake Charles, I suppose, wherever it was at. He was a running back, and they, he said, described him as like a tree stump. You just you couldn't do anything with him. And when he came running at you, he would just knock you down. And the game was about to start. And Brother Ewing's team had to kick the ball off to that team, and so they kicked the ball, and sure enough, that man uh, grabbed the football and started running with it. And, of course, he targeted Brother Ewing because at that time he was the younger, smaller, and could just run right over him. And Brother Ewing decided at the last minute, I ain't running, I ain't ducking, I ain't, I'm just I'm going to stand right here. It might kill me, but that man is going to know that I'm standing right here. And somehow... To that man's surprise, running that football, Brother Ewing was able to tackle him. I don't know if it was an accident. Brother Ewing called it a fluke. But the problem is they were playing on a Saturday at a park, and nobody else was there, so nobody else got to witness 
that amazing moment. Kind of like the golf ball, the, the golf game story I just told you. People have needs, and we need to be aware of that. We need to be cognizant of that. That something has happened in my life, and I want to share it with somebody. This is a beautiful thing about our connect groups, and I'm very passionate about this. I'm trying to keep it a little bit lighter tonight, but I'm very passionate about it. Sometimes, sometimes people just need for somebody to say, hey, that's amazing what just happened in your life. I am so happy for you that you got that job, that you got that raise on your job, that you got that new house. Sometimes it's just what people need to give them a little bit of fulfillment, a little bit of comfort, just knowing that they have someone that's interested in what's happening in their life. Do you find it annoying sometimes that when you talk to people and they only want to talk about their life and what's going on in their world and you tell them this glowing story that I was walking down the street one day and found $100,000 and they're like, yeah, well, let me tell you what happened to me and goes off in this story. It's like they're not interested in your life. People need to know if we're true friends that you're truly interested in what happens in my life and we need to learn how to reciprocate that. This moment of transfiguration was so special for Jesus. He asked them to keep it confidential. Don't tell anybody. Do you ever need a friend like that? When you need to tell somebody something, you just need to share somebody. It just helped. Somebody help me share this burden. But please don't go blab it. Sister Murphy and I, people tell us things all the time, and we agree we're not going to tell it. It's their news. Let them tell it. And if they want it told, let them tell it. Jesus said, when you come down from the mountain, tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. I want to ask you a question tonight. If Jesus needed friends, how much do we need friends? We talk all night about this great friendship that Jesus had with these three men many special times. I don't have the time to get into it all, of course, but for our purpose, let's suffice it to say, that if Jesus needed friends, then we also need friends. If Jesus needed to be able to share a few secrets with some trusted friends, then I believe we need to be afforded the same opportunity with our friends. There are special times and places in every person's life that need to be shared with special people. It's a needed thing. So not only do we need friends, not only do we need friends, everybody listen, set up straight, both feet on the floor, my fifth grade teacher used to say, not only do we need friends, but we must be friendly. I want everybody to hear this. It's not that I'm only going to say it once. I'll say it 10,000 more times as God empowers me to do it. Proverbs 18, 24. Jason quoted the scripture earlier. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. <clears throat> I get weary with watching people's patterns here at Grace Church, and it's happened more than once, and then walk up and say that we're going to move to another church because we just don't have any friends here. When I see them come in late, leave before service is over, and never give anybody a chance to talk to them. And neither do they make any effort to come earlier to meet people, stay a little bit later to meet people. If you want to have friends, you've got to show, you've got to get up and walk somewhere to where there's another human being and say, hi, my name is. Now, don't say ridiculous stuff that I'm so lonely and I'm just so discouraged and I'm suicidal and I need a friend. Would you be my friend? You don't want to obligate the person. 
act in such a way that they would like to be your friend. I can't say that. I could teach a whole Bible study on that. Maybe one day we will. But people can be annoying with the things they say to people and they wonder why people don't talk back. I know a person. I know a person for years. I am not exaggerating. When he would walk into his church, he would get a 10-foot path to go anywhere he wanted. People would see him coming, and they'd be way over here. We'd let him walk by. He did not know. He was starving to death for relationships and for friends, but he didn't. He could never understand. He could never understand to this day. He can't understand how to make that work. You can't be annoying and irritate people and be obnoxious and offensive. It's even hard to establish friendships when you stink. I mean, there's hygiene issues that play into this. I'm serious. <laughs> there was a lady, I may not finish this tonight, and it's okay, you're getting the point, but there was a lady that attended our church in Youngstown. She was a very simple-minded person, and I say that in all due respect. But we had every lady in that church talk to her about hygiene and not saying hi to somebody named Jean. Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to go deep diving on everybody here tonight. Uh, but we took our youth group uh, to an event, whatever it was, and then had them all come back to our house. It's about 15, 20 of them. And this person, her name was Louise. And you would ask Louise how she's doing, and she'd always say, no, Kay. I never knew how to interpret that. Are you doing okay, but no, not really? Or are you doing okay? It was always no, Kay. I, I never understood no, Kay. Anyway, and um, it rained on our way home. It was in the summer. It rained on the way to our house. And... Um, our house was not very large when we lived in Youngstown, and so all the young people would come into our little living room and sit on the floor and drug chairs in there, and Louise would come in the living room. I'm not exaggerating. And in about five minutes, Louise was sitting in the living room alone. Everybody got, well, I'm not exaggerating. So they went to our dining room, which was a little bigger than the living room, and sat down at the table and got all situated, and Louise had come sit there, and this just went back and forth. And finally, I told a couple of the guys, I said, look, this is really embarrassing and it's horrible. Would y'all please go together, the two of you, and take Louise home? They said, okay. One of them came back about three minutes later. He said, Pastor, please don't ask us to do this. <laughs> it's raining and we can't roll our windows down. <laughs> so... Uh, These things need to be considered when you want to have friends. But I want to tell everybody here tonight on that note that we all have close friends, yet beyond those friends, we still must show ourselves friendly. What do you call it when you have just a little group of friends that you only associate with that group of friends? Anybody know what you call that? A clique. And we don't like cliques. So even beyond your circle of friends, and Jesus was a perfect example of it, he had his three close friends in Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He had his three friends of Peter, James, and John. But beyond that, 
He also ate with publicans. You remember Zacchaeus? He ate with sinners. He communed with Gentiles. He fellowshiped with harlots. And he befriended lepers. There was no one beneath him. The umbrella of his friendship included everybody. Anybody that society looked down on, Jesus befriended. It wasn't just the down and out. Jesus also befriended Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, who were both very wealthy and members of the very prestigious Jewish Sanhedrin court. These men were the very elite of Israel. We should not be intimidated by anybody, is the point. We have our friends that we can naturally love them and fellowship with them. There's people that are challenging. We still need to be friendly. And there's people that we may feel intimidated by. We still need to be friendly. Jesus also befriended a centurion of the Roman army. These were not close friends, but he was still a friend to everyone. And because of his friendship, he was able to affect all of these men and women for the sake of the gospel. You might call this networking in today's lingo, yet Jesus loved each and every one of them. And wherever Jesus went, he showed himself friendly. The one exception was when he chased the Pharisees out of the temple because of they had defiled it so badly. But even at that, he never stopped loving them. So wherever you go, whoever you talk to, grocery store, gas station, dry cleaners, mailman, garbage man, co-workers, neighbors, we need to show ourselves friendly. I was in a place of business today. I'll tell you where I was at. I was getting my eyes checked. I was three years overdue. I can still see, so I didn't really see the need of seeing better. I can get by. Y'all are laughing at me, but there's a whole bunch of here tonight. I would dare say you hadn't been to the eye doctor lately either. <clears throat> anyway, we were there about 3.30, 4 o'clock fixing to leave, and uh, that part of Pastor Murphy just came to the surface for some reason. And I was just laughing and joking with everybody in that office. There was four or five people in there, and finally the, the last lady that we talked to and we left, she said, you're the first person that made me laugh today. I took that as a compliment. That made me feel good. Was I being corny? Yes. Was it ignorant? Yes. I'll tell you what I did. There's a comedian that Dave Bunch introduced me to that I kind of fell in love with him. His name's Brian Regan, and, and everything I've seen or heard of him is very clean. But he described in one of his comedy routines one time about going to the eye doctor. And when I got in there and sat down in that chair... That whole thing came back to me, and it was all I could do to hold a straight face and not just act completely ridiculous, especially Steve Bunch when he rolled that chair up and told me to put my chin on that white thing that goes around your head in front of your face, and I could hear him breathing. y'all watch the comedy routine you'd think it's really funny it was all I could do to sit there and behave in that eye doctor place whatever you call those people I would like to be more like Jesus in that regard uh, we need friendship for assistance and strength the Bible said and I'm concluding Ecclesiastes 4 9 and 10 two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fail, the one will lift up his fellow. Has that ever happened to anybody here tonight? I know it has. I know some here tonight where you needed a friend desperately. 
And somebody here at Grace Church was there to help you and take you by the hand. Woe to him that is alone when he falls, for he hath not another to help him up. So who's going to be there when you fall? Who's going to be there when you're sick? Who is going to be there when you are broke? Only your friends and family will be there and probably only your closest friends. We need friendship. We need friendship for counsel. I'm going to close on this point. You're, you're, you're getting an understanding. But Proverbs 27 and verse 9 says that ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. So doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. You have a wonderful friend with somebody and a friendship with somebody if they even have the courage to counsel you on what you do not want to hear. If they correct you, if they reprimand you, if they rebuke you, if it's done in love, it's done appropriately, it's done because they care. Some of you here tonight will know what I'm talking about, but I've had people sit in my office on many, many occasions over the years. There are some here tonight and said, the reason I'm talking to you the way I am, it's not easy, but it's because I care. If I didn't care what you were about to do, it was a going to be a tragic mistake or if I didn't care that you're fixing to walk out figuratively speaking in front of an 18 wheeler I wouldn't say anything I just let you do it but because I care about you I'm going to counsel you not to do what you're about to do I've done it many times and I'll continue to do it and we need friends like that and I've had a lot of these people come back and say you were right you were right and you saved me from a lot of heartache and a lot of difficult situations we need friends. So I'm going to ask you tonight to show yourself friendly. Remember the pictures we just put on the screen, the smiles on people's face, the story I experienced today. I made somebody laugh today. Why don't you try that before you leave here tonight? Just make somebody laugh before you leave. That would be wonderful to see. Even if you walk up to somebody and go, bloop, bloop, bloop. <clears throat> whatever it takes, make a face. Crack a joke, do something. But let's make each other feel a little bit better before we leave here tonight. What do you say? It'll be a lot of fun. God bless you. Thank you for being here. Looking forward to seeing you this coming Sunday. Expecting a great time this Sunday. Again, I don't expect this to be finished. It won't be finished by Sunday. Perhaps the following Sunday it'll be about 90% finished. But uh, please keep your kids. Keep an eye on them, etc. We'd appreciate it so very much. But God bless you. Get up. Walk to somebody. And just do your best. Give it all you got. God bless you and we'll see you Sunday.